I got to tell you, the fulfilling feeling of giving back and contributing to others is absolutely unparalleled. I believe that true meaning and purpose is about how you're able to better the lives of the people around you, your loved ones, the people in your community, the lives of people somewhere else in the world. Meaning never comes from what you get. It comes from what you give. This can't be it. There has to be more. Wait, am I crazy? No. If you're yearning for more and working hard to make your dreams a reality, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Dreamcatchers. It's the only show committed to helping you self-actualize and then transcend, leaving you with the legacy you've always desired. Listen in on conversations with successful philanthropists, entrepreneurs, and founders every week as we connect with them for inspiration, education, and direction. Your host, Jerome Myers, is here to help you exit the matrix and transform into a leader of your own revolution. The question is, do you believe your dreams should be real? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome, and you're in for a treat today. And I mean that from the depths of my soul. I found one of the most spectacular women that I've ever met out in San Diego about six months ago. And we've stayed in contact. And I have the good fortune of having Linda Fisk with me today. Linda, how are you? Oh, Jerome, I'm so, so thrilled to be able to be here with you today. You have quickly become one of those people that I am not just drawn to, but I I continually learn from. And I'm so, so grateful to be able to be a part of your program. Thank you so much. It's all my pleasure. And I think the listeners are going to feel the same way after they listen to this episode. I do things a little unconventional here. So if the listeners love what you have to say, what's the best way for them to find out more about you and the things you have going on? So the best way to get in touch with me is probably through social media. I'm pretty active on most of the platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. I'm really responsive on LinkedIn. So if you want to get in touch with me, please do. It's Linda Fist, or you can reach out to Lead Her Ship Global on LinkedIn. And of course, we have a website. You're welcome to drop me a note through the website as well, leadhershipglobal.com. Thank you. What in, what is a lead her ship? What what are we talking about? That's the, is that just a misspelling? <laughs> I know, right? So what Jerome is noting is that in fact, lead her ship global is a little bit of play on the word leadership, and lead her ship global is a world class, confidential, supportive community, and it's designed to accelerate the success of each and every member by integrating self-directed learning, impactful group experiences, peer advisory services, and expert-led coaching and mentoring like what you do every single day, Jerome. Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) You you dropped the word confidential in there. Tell me more about why that's important because I haven't actually heard anybody use that as they describe what they do. We believe that the most powerful relationships are based on trust. And in order to scale trust, that means that you have to provide a safe haven for women to be able to be vulnerable, transparent, open, honest, genuine, authentic. And the best way for people to feel free 
to talk about the things that are challenges for them, things that are obstacles, roadblocks, things that they're struggling with, is to give them a really confidential, supportive, and private community where they have the opportunity to be really transparent, really vulnerable. And so we have everyone that joins Leadership Global sign a code of conduct that says really two things. One, I will treat all women with respect. And two, I will treat all conversations that happen within Leadership Global with confidentiality and privacy. Whoa. That that elevates it as soon as people start signing documents. And I guess there's no way for them to say they didn't know. Exactly. So is is this like a 50-person organization or like how many no, people? We have are- thousands of women that are part of Leadership Global all over the world. And the one unifying quality, I think, of all of these women, women from Africa and Europe and Australia and New Zealand and Canada and the United States and South America and really all over the globe, is two things. One, they have to be in position of leadership. And two, they have to be dedicated to being a lifetime learner. So we try to enhance the leadership blueprint of unstoppable women all around the world and help them embrace their power to be the very best versions of themselves in work and in life. And the best way to do that is to be committed to being a lifetime learner, to being able to be open to other perspectives, other viewpoints, opportunities for learning and growth and advancement of your leadership and of your skill set. So we invite women in leadership that are ready to claim their power and literally change the world to join this supportive community like Leadership Global, because I will tell you that no one grows as a leader by themselves. It's simply impossible. So we create a community of women that are going to be really invested in your success. Wait, so are you the founder? I am. I'm the founder and the CEO Although we have a really significant team behind me that works with all the women that help put on phenomenal learning events, weekend retreats, uh, leadership boards, uh, trust forums. There are so many opportunities to connect in deep and meaningful ways. And I couldn't do it by myself. So I have a phenomenal team beside me to help ensure that every single woman is treated with a sense of purpose and intentionality, but also individualism. We recognize that every single woman defines success a little bit differently. And so we try to work with every single woman to clarify her purpose, to clarify her mission and her vision, and then to give her the platforms, the learning, access to funding or media opportunities or influencers or clients, connections with partners and advisors and mentors so that that leader can accelerate her ability to be successful in whatever way she defines success. Wow. So who do you think you are? Like what gave you credibility to go start something like this? Did you like just go out with your high school diploma and say, Hey, come follow me. Like how, how does this work? Cause you said thousands of people around the globe. Yeah, I will say that I have been incredibly fortunate in my career in that I was able to be in the C-suite of some remarkable membership-based leadership organizations. And as the CMO or the CEO of other leadership organizations, 
What I found to be true is that there is phenomenal transformational change that can happen when you bring leaders together that are on purpose and on intention to create positive change, real movement in the world. I have seen businesses get formed. I've seen partnerships created. I've seen philanthropies be fully funded. I've seen women absolutely spark incredible movements around the world. I've seen them accelerate their visibility, raise their profile, expand their influence through community by bringing women and leaders together in a very intentional kind of way. And so through those experiences of being a CMO, being a CEO of other leadership organizations, I wanted to create an opportunity for women to join this kind of transformational experience of community in a safe, private, and confidential way. <laughs> you don't think you are. You know you are. You have the requisite experience that qualifies you and a track record of success that puts you in a place where people are easily enrolled in the bigger vision. And I think you created an organization that was designed for little you or younger you, right? In some ways, for sure. I mean, I do wish that in my younger years, when I was beginning my career, that I had been surrounded by people who lifted me up, who uh, cheered me on, who gave me objective, unbiased counsel, who helped guide and direct my steps. And for sure, I have been blessed with you know mentors here and there um, that I intentionally sought out and connected with. But it would have been absolutely remarkable to be surrounded by people who were really, truly invested in my success, who lifted me up, who cheered me on, who helped especially help me stand up after a a fall. Um, And so what we've created today is an opportunity for women to show up, speak up, and step up into their career and into their personal life and really step into their power. And I think that that is just such an unbelievable gift to be able to be a part of this community and see women thrive and see how others step up to support them, to help them, to assist them in getting to where they want to go. Wow. So how did you start it? Most people have a hard time getting 20 people in a room, right? Uh, or getting them into a membership. And you you said thousands. So how, how did you get to the place where you know you, you knew you had something? And then you could, you had to keep going and you needed to scale. I call that the red pill moment. Well, I will also say it's a bit of a network effect. You know, as women meet inspirational leaders, as they create lifelong friendships, as they are surrounded by people that are truly invested in their success, they tell their friends, their colleagues, um, they tell family members, they tell people that they care about that. Wow, this has been a phenomenal experience for me. And I want to gift this to you. And what they have found is inspiration. They've been inspired and motivated by other women who have cheered them on, who have offered them counsel, support to help them achieve greater levels of success and impact. And they want to spread that to the people that they love and care about. So oftentimes what I find is that the very best marketing is simply word of mouth. People who are really happy tell their colleagues, their friends, their neighbors, their family members, 
gosh, you've got to check out Leadership Global. And we also find that, you know, women that are phenomenally successful in leadership, they want to pay it forward. They want to help the next generation of leaders become successful. So they're always investing in those around them that they see that spark of leadership. They see that in that potential available to them and they invite them into Leadership Global. So I will tell you, Our whole purpose is to create and support personal and professional breakthroughs and to guide women to achieve greater and greater levels of leverage and freedom. Women experience that the more that they tell others, and that's the true network effect. So we find that extraordinary leaders invite extraordinary leaders. So it's a, it's a true global community of world-class women thought leaders and experts that have been brought together to collaborate and facilitate excellent outcomes for each other. Wow. So that's interesting <clears throat> because I, I, it's particularly guys, they're like, we're going to do our own thing because when you bring women into the room, it gets either people start jockeying for position or it gets gossipy or, and it doesn't sound like that's what you've created at all. Yeah. And I will tell you that I certainly am very intentional about the culture in which we create, but also other members really guard that culture because it is so special. We accelerate every single member's success by helping them define their vision, grow their leadership, expand their influence, and truly leave a lasting legacy. And people really cherish the opportunity to be in a community of other leaders where they have the opportunity to do that, but they also have the opportunity to kind of harness the knowledge, the influence, and trust of other high-performing leaders. So they are very much stewards of that culture. They're really careful in not only the women that are part of Leadership Global, but they are the ones that help guide and direct appropriate behavior within the community. You know, they want to stimulate idea exchange. They want to support creativity and provide the kinds of um, resources and tools that accelerate success. And so they're very intentional in that. And they will not abide by behavior that derails that kind of supportive, positive kind of culture. So it's interesting because I've been playing with this concept recently that culture will always eat strategy. Right. There's there's nothing you can do strategy wise if the culture is poor. And we also talk about will won't ever exceed or beat environment. And so if you get the right people in the space, then they police it. Right. The tribe polices the newcomers to the tribe. They show them what to do, when to do it, how to do it versus people coming in and being disruptive. And there's almost either you assimilate or you, you get exiled, I guess. I, I don't know how right. it would work. Or there, you but- leave, you decide to leave. And I think either decision is fine. If you decide to leave or you decide to assimilate, either is okay. But I think throughout your leadership journey, you've got to continue to learn how to better serve others and genuinely support their career advancement or their overall engagement at work or their entrepreneurial journey to be a real leader. And I think, you know, Leadership Global gives you the opportunity to become mindful of the opportunity and the responsibility that you have to serve your own advancement by serving others. 
the more you serve others, the more you will find that you are noted as a leader, as an influencer, as an expert. But it's all about serving others. I think it was Zig Ziglar that said, you can get everything you want if you help enough other people get what they want. And that may not be exact words, but certainly the idea that really everything in life is available to you if you become a servant leader. And if you help enough other people achieve their dreams, achieve their purpose, then absolutely success will follow you. I pause there because I think so many people are of the mindset that they have to get as much as they can, as fast as they can, for as little as they have to give up for it. And it sounds like you just shared the opposite is the secret to true lasting success. Did I understand you correctly? (laughs) That certainly has been my experience. And before we got on Airdrome, we talked a little bit about that because In my mind, the best and highest value I can offer is to be of service to other leaders, to find what that key is, to unlock the success that they're intending for their life, whether it's personal or professional. And the more that I can find the key to help them unlock that level of success, the more successful they are, then absolutely, I will be blessed by that. And I think at every single stage of your career, you have to learn how to create sustainable impact and influence and help other people reach their goals. And in that process, you're going to embark on this continuous discovery that informs your own perspective and nurtures your own aptitude, skill sets, knowledge, influence, and your own success. So when you were on your rise from newbie in the workplace to the C-suite. I assume that you had similar experiences to the one you're helping create for people in leadership. Can, can we talk a little bit about that journey and maybe some, maybe two or three key points where somebody helped you navigate things to get through the glass ceiling or around the wall that most people would have got stopped by? Yeah, I would say early in my career, I, like many young professionals, was just focused on developing new skills like financial management or negotiation or public speaking based on my own personal or professional really goals that I had at that stage of my life. And with every step I take, I was able to identify new ways of mastering the fundamentals, which in turn provided me with perhaps greater clarity and depth of thought to further improve my leadership approach, my communication style. So what I find is that your leadership journey over time begins to actually shape what you're focused on and where you need to grow and develop. So while early in my career, I was really focused on skill set development and the accomplishment of personal and professional goals, I found that in that pursuit of mastering the fundamentals, I was able to create a better sort of understanding and vision of who I was as a leader, what my communication style looks like, how I deal with risk, how I deal with communication, how I make decisions. And that sort of self-exploration, really, and that sense of self-discovery helps me shape the next stage of leadership that I embarked on. And I feel like for all people who are self-aware, that's sort of the journey that we're always on. 
is to understand ourselves at a deeper and deeper level about who we are as a leader, what that leadership approach needs to be to create the very best outcome for ourselves and others, and what that communication style is that's most effective and most impactful for other people, not for ourselves, but for others. You keep saying others. And so that last bit that you had there, it doesn't really matter what we say if other people don't understand the message that we're trying to communicate to them. So we do need to be others focused when we want to share ideas. Absolutely. I got to tell you, the fulfilling feeling of giving back and contributing to others is absolutely unparalleled. I believe that true meaning and purpose is about how you're able to better the lives of the people around you, your loved ones, the people in your community, the lives of people somewhere else in the world. Meaning never comes from what you get. It comes from what you give. And so my pursuit over my journey as a professional has been to find new ways to give back and to make an impact of the world. And I will tell you that I see this as a global movement now. I see so many leaders that are fully focused on creating positive impact in the world. And it absolutely gladdens my heart. It gives me a sense of optimism and hope for the next generation because it seems as though there seems to be this global awakening, if you will, and this global movement that you know, people are recognizing that relationships are a powerful part of who we are and that we have the agency to create impact. We have the agency and we have the power and we have the authority and we have the giftedness and talent to create real impact, positive impact on people around the world. And I think that that is the highest and best value that we as human beings can ever have. I was a child, I had a very pronounced stutter and I was also determined to be clinically shy. So I couldn't even hold eye contact with someone. I couldn't finish a sentence. I couldn't shake a hand. And this was from the time I was a very young child all the way through college. I was clinically shy. I couldn't hold a conversation. I couldn't look people in the eye. And I had a pronounced stutter. But I also had a very clear understanding of what I wanted to achieve in life, exactly who I wanted to be. And stuttering wasn't going to help me achieve the vision that I had for my life. So I had what I considered to be a bit of an epiphany, recognizing that only I can change the trajectory of my life. No one's going to do that for me. I have to step into that painful, humiliating, difficult experience of stuttering and find a way of overcoming it. So I took speech therapy, counseling. I took every single public speaking course that was available at my university. And the very first time I stood up in front of the classroom to give a speech, I passed out. I was so petrified. I couldn't even look at the classroom. So imagine that. That first year of standing in front of the classroom of other students in that uh, speaking course, public speaking course, I was absolutely, completely the worst student, a complete failure in that class, passed out, stumbled over words, couldn't get through the first paragraph, but I kept at it because I recognized that it's only through that sort of persistence and tenacity that I was going to get where I wanted to go. 
So I am happy to say that by the time I graduated college four years later, I actually had entered several public speaking competitions and was nationally ranked. I won several public speaking competitions because I learned a lot of the coping mechanisms and a lot of the tips and tricks to be able to control my stuttering. Uh, My stuttering was not neurological, it was psychological. So it really had to do with changing my perspective of who I was and my ability to be a powerful speaker and to be respected and to be cared for and to be cheered on in that kind of role. A lot of people want to unlock their ultimate potential but lack the strategy, support, and stamina necessary to achieve their major goals. They often try to overcome these challenges by trying to do it on their own, causing frustration, fatigue, and eventually failure. We have developed a model for a center life, aka the red pill, to help them bolster their beliefs, gain clarity on their path to success, and provide accountability as they take action on their goals. When they take the red pill, they rapidly accelerate attainment of their goals and begin to experience a life of significance and impact. Want to find out more? Hop over to JeromeMyers.co. Now, let's get back to the episode. Wow. I had no idea that you had a stutter. I mean, I don't think anybody who's listened to you today could even fathom that that could be a possibility. You're so eloquent. You, Your sentence composition is one that's impactful and it's... It always seems so well thought out. So I don't know what you did, but (laughs) it worked. It was hours and hours and hours of practicing, but it's also adopting a growth mindset. So even during those times where it was humiliating and painful and embarrassing, I was able to say, okay, I didn't do very well at that, but tomorrow I'll get better. Okay. That was a dismal failure, but you know what? I have an opportunity to learn from that okay, I passed out again. That didn't go as I planned, but you know what? Tomorrow's a new day and I can try all over. So it's this idea that we all have the ability to grow. We all have the ability to change, to advance. And I wasn't going to achieve the life that I had envisioned for myself and stutter. So I had to find a way of tackling that, of battling that, of being challenged by that, but stepping into that fight boldly. And again, as I said, relationships are a powerful part of who we are. And part of my life ambition was to actually be surrounded by people that cheered me on, that supported me, that cared for me. And relationships can make us feel like we belong, like we have something to contribute in the world. They can strengthen us. They can give us reasons to affect change and to be changed. But if you can't connect with people, you can't speak to them, you do a lot of self-isolation because you're so afraid of not being able to communicate, then relationships are elusive. And so one of the visions I had for my life was to connect with people, to be able to have meaningful conversation with them and for them to understand my intent, my words, my my communication, and for me to be able to really deeply and meaningful develop a relationship with them as well. What's really interesting about what you've cultivated, grown, built, and even designed is usually when people want to go deep, they limit the number of people. But you've been able to go deep at scale. 
for somebody out there who's listening, like I'm, I want to build a community. I'm ready to build a community. You have any tips or techniques that they can use to replicate some of the stuff that you've been able to do? Well, when I think that you have to really embrace diversity, that's first and foremost. It's often difficult to connect with people when we don't understand their background. How do we learn to interact respectfully and knowledgeably with the people in our lives who don't necessarily exist in our inner circle? That can be tough, especially people whose culture or worldview is really far removed from our own. But I really believe, as I said earlier, that we can use our differences to strengthen our bond as humans. But as leaders, we have to know our blind spots. We have to know our shortcomings. And cultural competence is actually one of the most important lessons that you can learn as a leader and build a wide network. And cultural competency, I believe, is the ability to understand, communicate with, and effectively interact with people across cultures. So cultural competency, in my mind, encompasses being aware of your own worldview, developing positive attitudes towards cultural differences and people from different cultures, gaining knowledge of different cultural practices and worldviews, and then developing the skills for communication and interaction across culture. Now, cross-culture doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be interacting with people in Kenya or Kuala Lumpur or Auckland, New Zealand. It's, It's not that. They could be right next door to you. But cultural proficiency requires being more culturally aware. And it's not just practicing tolerance. It's really the ability to identify and challenge your own cultural assumptions, values, beliefs, and to make the commitment to communicate at that sort of cultural intersection. So in my mind, the very first thing you need to do if you're interested in building community is to ensure that you're clear of your knowledge and mastery of diversity and inclusion strategies. Now, I know all of the listeners that are involved in a corporate setting know that most employees are about 30% more likely to feel loyal to their company, Uh, like they're able to be innovative, that they are positioned for top performance if their company is absolutely committed to diversity and inclusion. Same thing with community. If you know that the leaders of your community and you as a leader in the community are absolutely committed to diversity and inclusion, you are more likely to feel loyal. You're more likely to feel like you can be innovative and you can be resourceful and that you are positioned for top performance within that community. Because I got to tell you, diversity and inclusion allows people to show up authentically, genuinely, and to be able to be vulnerable and authentic and transparent about what they're really challenged with. Wow. So it appears to me, and I'm on the outside now, that there's a lack of diversity in corporate America especially in the C-suites and the board realms. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, I will tell you that (laughs) you did nail it, I tell you. Now, one of the things that we know is that, you know, this idea of sort of a glass ceiling uh, is still alive and well. The glass ceiling, for those of you that may not be as familiar with that term, it pertains to upper-level workforce opportunities that 
are really kind of impenetrable to the vast majority of, of women and perhaps minorities. The glass ceiling is kind of a metaphor for the very evident, but sometimes intangible impediments that prevent women and um, smaller groups of people from achieving elevated professional success. So because I have such a focus on elevating uh, the voices of women around the world, I know that the population all around the world is women, right? So half of the population around the world is women. In the U.S., it's a little over 50% of the U.S. population is comprised of women. And about 60% of the civil labor force in the U.S. is women. But yet women are staggeringly absent from upper-level positions in the American workforce. So there is a long history of women's role in American workforce between wars and social movements and political climates, but very little progress has been made in the way of gender equality in the workplace. So get this, this is so disappointing, but shows us what work is left to do. Did you know that both male and female managers and hiring managers are twice as likely to hire men over women? Women are 25 to about 50% more likely to be hired if they are part of a blind application process. Think about that. So even women can be biased against hiring other women. And 40% of people that are in the job-seeking kind of experience, they notice a double standard against female candidates. In fact, get this, at companies where 90% of the leadership is men, Half the men at the company think that women are being well represented. Now, that's when 90% of the membership of the leadership is men. So only 10% of leadership is comprised of women. Yet all the men say, oh, no, women are incredibly well represented at my company. So, um, you know, there's lots of stats and figures around that. Men are 30% more likely to achieve uh, some sort of senior level C suite uh, role, uh, only. Uh, 34% of people see male executives as uh, better risk assessors. Um, Anyway, on and on. I can just go on. But the truth of the matter is that we need to look at some of the ways that we can all work together and break down these kinds of barriers. So first, understand the limitations that women face. Uh, We face cultural, social, economic um, barriers that most men don't. And so being able to understand that and talk about it um, really does help, especially in a corporate setting. You know, if you are at a corporation where you have influence and you have the ability to change the hiring process, consider blind screenings, implement regular bias and stereotype training, and also consider developing an ERG, especially a women's ERG in your workplace. That can be incredibly powerful, giving women an opportunity to talk about any level of harassment or discrimination or uh, any kind of practice happening in that corporate setting that does not align with the corporate values. You can also set diversity, hiring, and promotional goals. You can establish anti-discrimination or sexual harassment policies, and you absolutely should know anti-discrimination laws at a state level and at a federal level. And if you feel like you have been the victim of any kind of discrimination, 
then you should absolutely take action. Sometimes that's going to your HR person. Sometimes that may be being a whistleblower. Um, Sometimes that may be um, hiring a lawyer. But you do need to know the anti-discrimination laws and take action if you've been a victim. Wow. You know, I've got two little girls. And I made a intentional decision that I was no longer going to do things where women couldn't be a part of it because I don't want to continue to encourage or build that type of situation. And I, I know everybody, I guess the sexes feel like they have independent needs, but I just don't want to support or continue to help empower or grow things that my kids can't do. Does that sound strange? Exactly. No, it's so true. I mean, to your point, Jerome, women of color make up just 4% of C-suite positions. And women in general make up just 4% of all Fortune 500 CEOs. So think about that. More than 95% of C-suite positions and more than 95% of Fortune 500 CEO positions are held by men. And so it just, it makes me recognize that we still have a lot of work to do, especially for women of color that make up only 4% of all C-suite positions. And one of the most important things that we can do is listen to the experience of women of color, women who are part of the BIPOC community and really understand what their experience is, listen to that, and then take action to lift them up, to support them, and to advance them into positions of leadership. Man. Linda, we've covered a lot of ground today. I am so grateful that you were willing to hop on with me for a little bit of time here and share your perspective one that I, I find very refreshing in, in a marketplace that's just so noisy, where everybody's screaming for and shouting for their cause and only looking for self-gain as I see it. And you come with the servant leadership model, the desire to help grow others. And what I, I see is you reluctantly have ended up in this kind of the limelight and you're doing what you can to get back behind the curtain and to help orchestrate and move things forward with people or for people and with people. I guess it is both, not just one. So as we wrap up, I, I always ask this question and I think you'll have a great answer for it. What's the one thing you want the listeners to take away from this episode? You know, I would say that the most important thing that I think you can do, especially if you are a woman, is to invest in your success. And sometimes that first step is just to build the self-confidence necessary to take that first step. Now, confidence will give you the skill and coping methods to handle setbacks, to handle failures. Self-confidence doesn't mean you won't sometimes fail, but you can handle the challenges and not be crippled by them. Even when things don't plan or don't turn out anywhere close to what you planned, you'll be able to avoid beating yourself up. And so I would say that if you lack confidence and you want to build self-confidence, it's important to keep in mind that it's a process. It can't be built overnight. 
and to push the limits of your abilities, to invest in your success, to believe in yourself and take that first step. That would be my best advice. Take the first step. Don't let fear of the challenges hold you back. And you'll be amazed at what can happen for you and those around you. Linda, thank you so much for being a guest on the Dreamcatchers podcast. In real life, you're a true dream catcher. You're the epitome of overcoming and then coming back and helping those who are coming behind you to achieve the things that they desire. And just your example of lead hership is one that I think so many people should follow. So again, just thank you from the bottom of my heart. Jerome, it is such a pleasure to spend time with you. You are such an inspiration. You're the epitome of what we teach and train, being authentic, being genuine, being very kind, being, having this sense of curiosity of people and helping lift them up. And so I am so grateful to you, Jerome, partly for who you are, but also what you represent. And I'm so grateful to be able to be a part of this program. Thank you so much. You're more than welcome. To the listeners, your dreams should be real. We'll talk soon. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.